This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, open to 1 Kings 1. 1 Kings 1. Andy is going to read 1 Kings 1, 7, and 8 in just a minute here. And uh, let's see, Eli is going to read 1 Kings 1, 8 when we get to it. Okay, we have, um, I went over this at breakfast the other day, but... I want to do this for everybody. We have focused in uh, preaching. I have focused primarily, remember I've taught you the different types of sermons. And uh, just to go over those again, a topical sermon would be one where you simply, you want to preach on love, grace, faith, something. Find all the scriptures in the Bible on it, throw in whatever. But generally when you're preaching that, you already know what you want to say. You're kind of getting scriptures just to back up yours. Those are very weak, and uh, almost never do I preach topical. Uh, a little bit in prophecy, I might. Then you have um, uh, what we focus on is textual sermons. And that is finding your main idea uh, and then uh, in one text making a theme, finding one theme in a text, even if there are other issues, and, and uh, focusing on that theme. And uh, then, of course, you have the uh, uh, exegetical, or they call it different kind. That would be verse by verse. You're literally saying everything you see in a sermon, very wordy. We're going to do a little bit different one. I was in my Bible reading. I came across um, the the mention of Nathan and uh, the Bible speaks about the prophet Nathan and it just occurred to me as I, I was just curious about Nathan and and uh, uh, I was looking at him he's kind of a bit player in in several different stories and so I, I said it would be hard to make a whole sermon just on one scripture of what he did because he often is simply just saying a few words and then he's out of the story. So that brings to another type of sermon. Very limited. You wouldn't use this a lot and that would be, I'm going to call it small biographical sketch. That is, you're going to preach about a person and you're going to bring some truths about a person's life. And so let's read 1 Kings 1, 7 and 8. Just to, These are a few verses about him. And he conferred with Job, the son of Zariah, and with Abithar, the priest, and they following Adonijah helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, and Ray, and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Okay. So that's the end of his life, and we'll, <clears throat> we'll refer to that. Okay, let's, let's talk about truth found uh, in people. I've made this statement to you before. The Bible is a book about God. It is not a book about people. There are lots and lots and lots of people in the Bible, but the Bible is about God. People are only in relation to God, His purposes, His will, uh, etc., etc. But a lot of people in the Bible, it is very uh, useful to look at people's lives and examine them and uh, understand them. You can see their decisions, their words, their actions. They show us. You, you, uh, when you look at a person's life, they reveal character. They show you what kind of man was this by, based on what he did, what he said, or what others uh, uh, said uh, about him. And then they reveal 
potential paths for us. You look at a person's life, there are people that were blessed and used by God. It's very valid to look at a person's life. So the obvious application is, how can I be blessed? How can I be uh, used of God? What sort of things were there uh, in them that allowed them to uh, be used? So that's, that's a, a positive. Then, of course, then there's negatives. People that uh, are in the Bible simply as warnings for us. And uh, people who were not blessed, were not used, uh, you could even say cursed, and, and uh, some people are tragic. So, what stopped the blessings of God? We do not believe that God just picks people to be cursed. We don't believe that God picks people to be villains. So, obviously, there are choices they made. That's always a valid uh, point. So, I am reading in the Bible, I came across... Uh, Nathan, I think I was actually uh, looking at 2 Samuel 7 and uh, the, the story there has to do with the temple plans. So it, it just struck me, Nathan, I want to know more about him. So if you are, I wanted to find more information about Nathan. I didn't have any uh, particular thing in mind just for my own uh, information and, and uh, study. So if you're going to find information about a Bible character, you can find it uh, three main ways. Number one, you can simply use a concordance. A concordance is simply a listing of every word in the Bible. And so you can, if you can find one word in any scripture, you can find every single place in the whole Bible. That So in this case, Nathan, I want to know about him, I can find every time the word Nathan... Uh, is found in the whole Bible. So I could do it that way. I could go in for Nathan, look him up, and then just pour through all of uh, all of the scriptures. Anybody know what would be a disadvantage to doing it that way? Uh, why? Because you, you can end up going down all these rabbit trails. Okay, that could be. But there's another major reason in, in talking about people. Other... other. Okay, there are other people with the same name, so you might be studying going, wow, what a great lesson, but it's a totally different guy. So it's then bad lesson. So you would have to study, so then you get back to what you said is, is time. So, you, you know, obviously that's what people did for years, so you have to, is that the right Nathan? You know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so a concordance. That's one way you can find information. The second one, <coughs> many of, doesn't matter what Bible program you use, you can use, uh, there is a, a, a Bible encyclopedia, the one that is uh, uh, standard across the boards, even got it in the name, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. You might see it in your software program. It's called ISBE. That's what it means. It functions exactly like uh, an encyclopedia. It lists all of the information uh, of that name. Sometimes it'll give you the name meaning, sometimes that is important when you're studying a person. It'll give you background about them, where they came, where they lived, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, scripture references. Great advantage in an encyclopedia is the information is sorted by the right people. It will not list another Nathan. It will say, this Nathan, who was the priest, blah, and it will list only the scriptures that relate to that Nathan. Then it'll say this guy, he was somebody's son. Another guy, he was a king. You know, whatever. Uh, so that's, that is very, very handy. ISBE, and that was uh, uh, what I used primarily uh, in this instance. The third option, maybe your software doesn't have ISBE, but it undoubtedly, whatever you use, and there are free versions of, of uh, uh, Bible software, a Bible dictionary is the third way. Remember, dictionaries are not giving you information about ideas. It will not give you information about love, faith, truth, because those are ideas. It gives you an encyclopedia or a dictionary, gives you information about people, places, or things. Okay, physical things. That's what an encyclopedia or a dictionary, that's different than... Uh, concordance and other kinds of uh, dictionaries. So, the three main options I have in my Bible software is I have Smith's Bible Dictionary. That's actually what I started with. 
when I first started studying the Bible, I had that in uh, hardback, in, in book form. Some of you don't know what a book is. But, uh, then uh, New Ungers is another uh, option that I have in mind. And then I have the NCV Bible Dictionary. All of which, they may bring out slightly different little bits and pieces, but they all function the same. And in this case, it's not terribly lengthy, so I could consult all of them very rapidly. Okay, so that's where you would get the information from. When I began to look at the, the prophet Nathan, I discovered that he is listed in three main events. And he's a minor player in three main events in the Bible. Is Number one, he, is, he was involved in the temple plans. In my Bible reading, that's what I saw. In other words, David calls Nathan the prophet and he says, I've got a great idea. Instead of God living in a tent, let's build a temple. He says, fantastic idea, leaves, and God says, absolutely not, go tell him no. And he goes back and tells him no, and then you have the long thing of God's promise to, uh, uh, to David. So, temple plans, which is found in 2 Samuel 7 or 1 Chronicles 17, both the same story, repeated twice. The second famous thing David, uh, Nathan is known for is rebuking David's sin. That is, you are the man. He's committed adultery, murder. One year later he comes in and says there was a guy and he tells a parable because he knows David likes sheep. And there was a guy who had a little lamb and another guy stole it. And, and then he says the famous in the King James, thou art the man. So, rebuking David's sin. That's the second and probably most famous uh, uh, story. The third is the temple success or the kingdom succession, not, not temple, kingdom succession. Who is going to succeed David? Who's going to be the new king? <coughs> and Adonijah uh, uh, wants to steal the kingdom. He's not supposed to be the king. But he wants to steal it. He starts plotting and uh, Nathan uh, helps to defeat that. So, I discover three main stories. In each of those, he actually is a minor player. In the first part, his part is to say, great idea. And then to go back and say, uh, bad idea. God just said so. And that's it, and it shifts to David, and David goes on, and why did you talk about me, and you know the kingdom that will never end, and, and uh, a house, and blah, 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 blah. I've preached from that passage. Remember, if we're talking textual sermon, I have preached from that story, and my main idea was the thought that when God says no, and I built a whole sermon on God says no sometimes, I refer, Nathan is a part of that, but Nathan was not my focus. I simply referred to him. He was the guy who said no. And that's it. That's, that's the, basically what he uh, uh, does in there. So, so I see that in each of these stories, uh, you know, it's, it's powerful, his rebuke. But in actual fact, that's all he does is rebuke and then and then he's off. He did his job and he's done and it shifts to David and his repentance and, and uh, all that. Again, uh, not a lot of information. And the third is that he goes to Bathsheba and says, listen, this guy's uh, trying to steal the kingdom. We better do something about it. And that basically is it as well. Okay, so my point is limited information. So if I was to pre... I want to preach about... Nathan, based on one of those stories, which would be a textual sermon, I'm going to choose Second uh, Samuel 7 or, or you know, one of these. If it's textual, it's going to be difficult because there's not much there. That's my point. This is a, a rare occurrence. Uh, but So it, it's a, you could do it, but I think, and especially if you're inexperienced, I think you're really going to struggle to build a whole sermon textually about Nathan. Okay? So, you, you see that 
Uh, and, and let's just stop for a minute and think about this. In 2 Samuel 7, let, let's, let's take this, this story. If, uh, if I am preaching textually, then I have a main idea in mind, which is what I did. I'm primarily a textual preacher. I preach. My theme was the fact that sometimes God tells you no. That's my big idea. So everything I'm looking at in that story is simply about we have desires, but God says no. What do you do when God tells you no? So the whole thing was about no. That's textual. Uh, expository. I said exegetical before. I, I had the wrong uh, term. Expository would be, I would start at verse 1. It goes through the whole chapter. And I would go verse by verse, everything that I see. And David said, and there was, and there's a temple, and you've got to explain. It used to be in tents, and the Bible, the ark is in a tent, why did he get in the tent? It, it, it becomes very lengthy, very difficult to preach clearly an, an expository sermon. Topical wouldn't really apply at all. So, but what I am proposing is a different kind. And that is, what if I want to preach a small uh, biographical sketch about Nathan's whole life I don't think any of those scriptures probably have enough to build a whole character sketch. So, in this case, and it just so happens that there's, there's three, and I ask you, can that be a coincidence? <laughs> seeing how there are how many members of the Trinity? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh dear. <coughs> so, so, and here, here's the point. I have preached whole series on Bible characters. First time I did a Bible uh, a sermon series, it was the life of David. But there's tons of information. If I remember right, it was 24 sermons long, which was way too long. But I didn't know any better. I was young. Okay, so, because there's a lot of information. 24 sermons. I have done whole sermons on Moses on, you know, different, uh, different guys. So, there's, because there's a lot of information. Joshua, lots of information. So now you have characters that are mentioned in the Bible. So, uh, if I want to preach about them, then you're working about, uh, you're working with limited information. Okay, so let's talk secondly about finding revelation. So, the first thing is simply to find the information. In, the, in, in case I use primarily, I, I use the ISBE. Quickly look to see the dictionaries. So now I know here are the three stories. And I simply wrote down, number one, the story of the uh, temple plans. Number two, as I wrote down, rebuking David's sin. And number three, the uh, kingdom succession. So, how do we now find truth? I simply found where it is located. But the key now is what am I going to say? What is the Bible truth about his life? The key to revelation, and this is true no matter which uh, way you approach Scripture, the key to revelation is asking questions. You have to ask questions about the text. Now, when you are inexperienced, you can write those questions down. You may literally, sometimes, uh, if I'm by myself and there's no one around to think I'm crazy, I may say it out loud, what's going on here? But it becomes an automatic process. So you, you discover as you train your brain, when I'm reading the Bible, my brain is asking, why is that? How come? Who? There are questions that you're, you're asking. So... If we think of Second uh, uh, Samuel 7, let's turn there for a minute. Second Samuel 7. And let's see what the Bible says about, uh, about Nathan. This is the scripture that I first, uh, first looked at. Okay, going there. Okay, 
So we see the story, verse 1, came to pass. The king was dwelling in his house. The Lord had given him rest from his enemies all around. The king said to Nathan the prophet. Now, he just appears. There's, there's nothing. I've studied it. There, it doesn't tell us before Samuel obviously has died at some point or maybe is even retired. And Nathan doesn't tell us why, when, where. Boom, he's there. Now all of a sudden, Nathan is the prophet. Okay. The king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar. The ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. And, verse 3, Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. It's, it's clear here that David says, Hey, why does God live in a tent? And I got this nice house. So he's saying, Shouldn't we build a house for God? And Nathan instinctively says, Great idea. And assumes that the Lord will be the Lord is with you. But he obviously was not speaking for God, that was personal preference. Verse four It happened that, that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? I have not dwelt in the house, uh, blah blah blah. Skip down here. Uh, okay, so it's it's a long message that he has. From God, verse 17, according to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Okay, that's all that Nathan says. So he, it's a long message that God gives, but in essence, hey Nathan, what do you think if we build God a house? And he says, great idea, go for it. God must love that idea. God says, no, that's not what I want at all. Go back and tell him. In verse 17, he did. He went back and tell him. Nathan is now finished. That's all we hear about him. The rest of the chapter is all about David and his response. Okay, so we have to ask questions. So what was going on? That's the context. Context means what, what was going on before it, what comes after it, what's going on. What's going on is explained in verse 1. Um, in, the, uh, in the verse there is that there's, there's peace. There's no more battles. So it's it's kind of now he's focusing on God instead of uh, on fighting. So what was uh, what was Nathan's part in this? That is that Nathan hears about somebody's uh, uh, idea, and what does he do? He, in my mind, he quickly agrees. He quickly agrees, and as I'm reading there, is uh, verse 3, not only does he quickly agree without asking God, it would, it would seem to me that if you're a prophet, it would be kind of a no-brainer, shouldn't you talk to your boss, right? So he doesn't. <laughs> so he quickly speaks, that's what he's doing, and not only does he quickly speak, he assumes that God's into this, simply because it sounded good to him. Okay, so uh, uh, so this is the David's temple plans. That's what's going on, and he wants uh, uh, David's <coughs> he wants David's blessings. Now, one of the keys in Revelation is you've got to learn what to ignore. If you study, if you look in a, um, uh, a commentary, you may find that they'll give you a lot of information that you don't need. They may tell you about how does a man become a prophet. They may tell you the role of a prophet or how they're anointed. None of we don't care about any of that. That if I'm throwing in all of that about how to become a prophet, the anointing process of a prophet, that's irrelevant and that's going to distract from the sermon. The main essence of this, it, so. I also, in this case, because I'm focusing on Nathan, I am. you will find that the commentaries, if you go there, they will give you a lot of detail about a seed and a house, two words that are used there, and this is the type of Christ, and David's part in it, and blah, 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 blah. Neither of which have anything to do with Nathan so much. I don't care. That's not what I'm preaching about. So, if I talk about the eternal house of David, I'm going to distract. I'm only looking at this, what is Nathan's part? Nathan's part was speaking quickly 
assuming that God agreed with him because he thought it was a great idea, and then being told by God, I don't like that idea, go back and tell David. That's the essence of, of uh, Nathan's part. Now, you, you have to imagine this. We know from other instances in the Bible, very probably this was a public issue. Normally, where kings did business was in a court. Right? You had a wide open area. You had all kinds of people, advisors, soldiers, uh, you know, all different kinds of people that are there. So probably this was a public thing. <clears throat> Brings in Nathan and he says, Nathan, what do you think that we should build God a house? And Nathan said publicly. Right? This wasn't a text with an emoji. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> BPF, best prophet forever. <laughs> so he probably publicly in front of everybody says, that's a great idea. Walks away feeling good and God says, wait a minute, absolutely not. Go back and tell it. So again, there's not going to be a text. It's probably public. So you're now going to go back in front of everybody. You're the guy who, I don't know here, we'd have to study it. Was it minutes before? Or was it the day before? But nonetheless, you went on public record. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a fantastic idea and God says go for it. Now you're going to come back the next day and publicly you're going to say, God says bad idea, absolutely not. Okay, so think about that from... That would be a little embarrassing, wouldn't it? So you got you got to kind of imagine this uh, from there. So, <clears throat> so only from that aspect, and uh, and and don't answer if you were at breakfast the other day. So, what do you suppose? What then is the main lesson from Nathan? He had an ability there. What is remarkable about Nathan, based on what I just said about him? What? Obeying God, even though it was going to cost them something, or could very well. Well, I don't think that the cost is the issue in this in this instance. What do you think? Uh, being able to humble his pride and just say, you know what, I was wrong. Okay, that I think is actually the real lesson. Is why? So we're looking at Nathan. Why was Nathan used by God? Because he was able to humble himself and admit a mistake. I think that is the essence of the lesson. That's what I wrote down. In my, I'm, I'm looking at that and I simply wrote down, able to humble himself. And uh, so, as, as we say, Nathan had a reverse gear. He could go backwards. I know I was heading this direction, but uh, I shouldn't be going that direction, so I'm going to back up here, which probably involved humbling his pride. Okay, I just wrote that down. I moved on to Second uh, Samuel 12. We won't take the time to read it. You know the story. David is uh, involved in sin. And Nathan, again, publicly, he tells this story, sucks him in. But in the essence, he tells the most powerful king who holds the power of life and death, who actually has just committed murder. <laughs> you are wrong. And you're involved in sin. So, now what would be the lesson? I think it's more appropriate here. What, so, what do you suppose the lesson is? That he was able to still do difficult things even though it would cost him. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I would say there in, in my mind is the courage. I think that's what that passage is talking about. Nathan was a had, man who had the courage to speak up in the face of possible consequences. Okay? And I wrote that down. And simply moved on. I'm, I'm simply getting... That's the essence of it. I'm ignoring the story of the Lamb. I'm ignoring David's reaction afterwards. All of which are not a part of this. I'm simply getting what is Nathan's role and what is commendable or not commendable. In this case, it is commendable. It's good. Nathan was a man of courage who spoke up even though it may cost him. The last thing is 1 Kings 1. 
he hears of looming trouble. Adonijah uh, uh, is not supposed to be the king, but he invites these guys to announce himself as king. He hears that trouble is coming. So, and you know this from the Bible, what normally happened when someone took over who wasn't supposed to take over? What did they? What's the first thing they usually did? They killed everybody. Right? That's, that's uh, Athaliah murdered the, the, the king's son. So you have numbers of stories. That's very common. I, I can think of three or four examples. Number one list, when you became the king usurping, meaning you shouldn't be there, you killed anybody else who was a potential rival. Okay, so, Nathan hears Adonijah is plotting to name himself king. So, he knows. So, that's what's the second thing that, that happened in several instances in the Bible when someone became king and they weren't supposed to? So, they murdered everybody. What's the other thing that happened normally in the kingdom? No, that's the process. The result I'm talking about. What was the result of somebody being king and they shouldn't be? Well, that's judgment ultimately. Well, yeah, that's, that would be true. But civil war is, is a common. There's, that war broke out. And there was long... Thousands of people died because a guy became a king and he shouldn't be. So... So when you're reading here that Adonijah anoints himself, you are looking, asking, what would be going on? Why was he worried about that? That's a question that I'm asking. Why would Nathan be worried about it? He would be worried about it because he's going to murder everybody now, and probably it's going to cause civil war, and maybe because he's a prophet, as Eli said, uh, uh, spiritually, if you, if you start... Uh, if you start your kingdom on on bad principles and murder, probably you're not going to have the blessing of God. Okay, so the key then is, so he goes, as we're looking at the story, what does he do? He goes and speaks to Bathsheba. We need to talk to King David. But remember the questions that you are asking. They're journalism questions. Who, what, why, where, when. And at different times, you know, who is Nathan and, you know, Bathsheba, <coughs> etc. What is, he's going to do something about this. But, the, you know, why? Because of civil war, murder, is it? But the key is, when did he speak up? When did he get involved? So, that becomes, I think, the key to understanding why this scripture is important. So, when did he do this? This is an important... Anybody know? And uh, it's probably confusing in the way I'm saying it, but... So, did he wait until Adonijah takes over the whole kingdom to say... Is that what happened? No. When did he speak up? Before. Before you start murdering, before there's civil war, he speaks up. So, in my mind, that is the third thing that is remarkable about uh, Adonijah, is he acted wisely to prevent trouble. It's one thing after everything's a mess that you say, you know what, we shouldn't do that. But wouldn't it be better, wouldn't you be a smarter man if before you ever get to trouble, let's prevent it. So, now I have three basic issues uh, uh, about that. Is Nathan was able to humble himself and admit a mistake. Nathan had the courage to speak up in the face of danger. And Nathan, Nathan acted wisely to prevent trouble. Okay? And that, in essence, is all we know about Nathan. Those three thoughts. Okay, so, in this case, it, not every scripture would work out like this, but there are three, so I would propose that would make a very, uh, we could make a simple sermon, three points, based on the three instances of his life. 
Okay, so let's look final thought. Let's talk about building the sermon. So then what would you do with those three thoughts? Very, very simple. So, what do you have to do? <coughs> you first of all, before you start making a sermon, you have to have a beginning big idea or thesis statement or the theme. What are you going to preach about? It has to be clear. You're going to be talking about three different stories. What is it that is going to connect these three stories? Obviously, they're about the same guy. So we have to have a theme in mind. So if I'm going to preach this sermon, I've got to write this down because remember what I've said to you. If something is not clear to you, it will never be clear to your people. So you should not start the sermon until you can think, what, what brings these three together? So in my mind, the, 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 the theme of the sermon should be, what makes someone useful and effective for God? It's very simple. We're going to look at Nathan today, and, uh, and we're examining, he's, he's uh, mentioned three times in the Bible, uh, a man named as a prophet. That's just giving a little bit of background. And then we say our statement. We are going to look at this because Nathan was a man who was useful and effective for God. So that it's worth looking at his life so we know how to be useful and effective. <coughs> okay, so now I've given the three uh, statements and so I'm going to build a sermon based on those three points. Okay, now... Very simply, if you're if you're going to build a sermon like this, number one, you can you, you cannot read the entire passages, because if I remember right, okay, uh, so we have 17 verses in the first story, uh, and actually that's only <coughs> up until he stop, stops talking. The chapter is I think 37 uh, uh, verses. Rebuking David's sin has 25 verses. The kingdom succession plans have 53 verses. So you obviously are not, number one, you just got to use your head. It would take you, to read all that will take you probably uh, 10 minutes or more. So you're not going to do that. The only thing you're going to do is you're going to read this short number of verses that refer to Nathan. And then you're going to stop and, and begin to preach, right? So I normally, next to my point, I have the verses uh, of, of each one. So <coughs> that's number one is, is the length of Scripture. The second thing is that you can't, because you have these three different ideas, you can't build an entire biblical principle about humility you can't you can't look at every idea in the Bible about courage. Um, you know you 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 got to limit yourself. So in my, in my mind, if I'm building this as a sermon, I would think that each point should have two main sections. We know what he did; he humbled himself. So I would say that in each section, you need to build a point of contrast. Point A would be the human tendency. The human tendency is to make a bad decision and then your pride makes you keep going. Right? It's very simple. I can build a, 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 a in a few. It won't take long. So what are some Bible examples of people who made a bad decision and kept going? David? Saul? Saul? In, in like what? Tell me just the essence of one story. Admitting that he was wrong and trying to kill David, but then he kept going back to it. Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned that bless me now, honor me now. Yeah, go ahead. Samson? Well, like what? What did he do? Uh, well, first he started with the honey, then he went to Bathsheba. Okay, and he or kept on... Bathsheba. Yeah, <laughs> one of them hoochie women, you know. David and Uriah. David and Uriah. Yeah, okay. And David himself. Yeah. So adultery, then he moves to murder. Yeah, that'd be another possible. Somebody else? Somebody else? And in, in, in my mind, the um, 
uh, I think his name is Hanan, isn't it? King Hanan, David sends a, a gift. Hey, sorry to hear that your dad died. And he misunderstands and uh, shaves off their their beards and, and cuts their clothes so their uh, <laughs> so their butts are hanging out and uh, and so he just offends he offends the most powerful military ruler in the world. So what does he do? Shouldn't you at that point apologize? Not him. He hires the Syrians and says, "Let's go to war with the you know this would this would be like Haiti declaring war on America." But it's okay because I'm going to hire Bermuda to help. <laughs> like what? What are you, nuts? Okay, so, all right, so you have, that's four stories and you could, so that doesn't mean you're going to use all four. So the point, you would be looking for scriptures about pride, uh, about foolishness. Isn't there one in Proverbs that says the, uh, uh, the simple sees trouble and keeps on going? Right? You see what I'm saying? So it's easy I would build a point. That's human nature. You know, everybody makes mistakes, but there's something about pride that causes some people, this is a dumb idea, so what am I going to do? I'm going to keep on going. In fact, make it worse. All right, so I build that. That would be basically A. B, then I would... Nathan is... All the mentions of him are positive. So Nathan shows us the wisdom of humility, which is he quickly agreed without asking God. Bad move. He did it publicly, and then when God speaks to him, he was willing to publicly humble himself and, and reverse course. And then I would give maybe some scriptures about humility and the blessing. The Bible says that <coughs> the scripture that I referred to the simple sees trouble and keeps on going. The wise turns away or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm not giving you the King James essence, but, but that's wisdom. So, negative, positive, that would be point one about humility. And again, in rebuking David, A, is there are people who will do right, but not if it will cost them. And you can be thinking of some examples uh, of that, of people who wouldn't make a stand, they wouldn't stand up for what was right. What does that do to you? B, but here's a man who's willing to rebuke a powerful king who you knew actually committed murder. So this is great courage. This may cost me. I'm going to do right anyway. And, uh, you know, there may be scriptures on courage or, or whatever. A, B. And the third one, uh, uh, again, is what do people do is they often wait till it's too late or they wait till things are a mess before they start doing right <coughs> and give some Bible examples. B would be his uh, response here. He shows the wisdom of preventative uh, action. Let's fix things before they get big. And show some examples. Okay, so my point is not to build the whole sermon, but if I did that, A, B, A, B, A, B, and all three points, very simple uh, uh, to do. It's not in-depth. I'm not exhausting the whole Bible. But all of these tie together. This gives us, we understand Nathan's life better is a man who, this is how you be used uh, useful and effective for God. Humble yourself uh, when you're wrong. Speak up even though it will cost you and uh, prevent trouble rather than react to trouble. Okay? And that would be that would be the essence of the whole sermon. When we were talking about this the other day, Bill Hunt brought up a great scripture, <coughs> an ex excellent <coughs> scripture to end it. 1 Kings 1.8. Who did I give that to? But did the priest and Beniah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shimei, and Ray, and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Okay, so we're not with Adonijah. Obviously, that's in spirit. Adonijah <laughs> is leading a rebellion. In actual fact, when it says they were not with him, it's not just in spirit. Physically, he didn't invite them. So, and, and it was great. Bill, Bill Hunt brought this out, and it would be an excellent way to end the, uh, the sermon is Adonijah, the rebel, 
knew that Nathan would not join the rebellion, so he didn't even bother asking him. So, a very simple way to sum up the whole sermon is, here's the end of his life. This is the last mention of Nathan that we know of, is he was known for being a righteous man. So, and asking the simple question, what would you be known for? What do other people look at you, what do they say? Yeah, there's old lazy butt. Or there's old contentious rebel. Or is there going to be something good about you? Be, I think that's a great way to sum up the whole sermon. And that, that would be an excellent way, in, uh, I think, to, uh, to finish it off. Okay, so that would be, an, again, you wouldn't preach many of these. It's not like you'd be looking at this all the time. And you'll discover that uh, there'll be guys that there's only two mentions of their life, uh, you know, which is not exactly the Trinity. Or there's four <laughs> mentions which totally fritzes me out. I just can't even handle that. So n- not everything fits in a neat package, but it struck me in my Bible reading. So that's a valid way to do a sermon. Okay, let's open for questions then. Nathan. Uh, so then in your illustrations, you could you just, I mean, lay, lay the groundwork for each point? I mean, that could be your transition. <coughs> your illustration would be Nathan as well, or? No, you, you, the the illustration, I think, is the subject of each one. So what's the subject of the, of the first one? Either pride or humility. Mm-hmm. So one, one of the things, when I, I, ha- I start with a piece of paper, I wrote down the three places. Then when I began to look at them, I wrote down the main idea, a couple of little thoughts, but somewhere on the paper, either the top or on the side, I jot down topics of for illustrations. Because if you're looking, if you're looking in an illustration database, as you know, sermon illustration database, something like that, they are arranged topically. How do you find them? By looking under P for pride, H for humility, or um, there may be other words I'm not thinking of. So that's what I'm doing. I'm writing that down. I'll return to that later on. Then. Uh, what's the second thing? Courage, I'd be you know courage, uh, you know costly maybe writing down, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I ultimately find illustrations. First of all, is I'm I'm jotting down, getting my head around what is the main idea, what do I need to illustrate, something that has to do with the subject. That makes sense. Yes. So you won't find illustrations just by looking by Nathan, I don't think. Although, I can see why you would be drawn to that. <laughs> there must be some fantastic Nathan story. Good, somebody else? just made me curious. Why do you think that he went to Bathsheba instead of going to David when it came time to expose the plot? Could it be like the Esther story? Where he I, knew that yeah. he would listen to her, not him, because of... I I think... Uh, I think because David had shown weakness up until that point, there was, he wasn't confident that David would do right. I would say, remember in in um, uh, be a lot easier if all these guys' names was Bob and Steve. But uh, who was the who was the son? Uh, he became the rebel, murdered his brother. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. So he had shown he wouldn't judge him. And and all that. So I would say it's because he had demonstrated weakness. What's it? Absalom. Yeah. So he had shown weakness in that, and and was getting old. So he may have been concerned that David would go. It's too much hassle, or or maybe he'd go. Oh, I really like Adonijah. You know. So probably it was just he was using uh, people skills and intelligence. Let's, yeah, them. let's get some reinforcing to deal with this. Yeah. It would also be that, I mean, obviously, it was her son <coughs> that was supposed to be the king because um, uh, Solomon was her son, right? Yeah, yeah. Plus he knew that. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's the reason why he went to her and not, you know, just some other lady that he happened to know. <laughs> yeah. So this one was a, a, a loved and powerful and, you know, Blah blah blah. So, Adam. The pirate pastor, you're desperate for any material you can. Would it be unwise to make three sermons out of it? You could, but uh, 
I would suggest that as a pioneer pastor, you will struggle to fill an entire sermon based on each of those stories. If you're talking about him, I wouldn't have any problem preaching from the passages, but then I'd be choosing a theme. I'd be preaching textually. But if you said, I want to preach about Nathan, and I'm going to preach this morning, I'm going to preach about Nathan and his ability to humble himself. Yeah, I would say a pioneer pastor will struggle to do that. An experienced guy, yeah, you can probably fill it out. But you could preach three um, uh, textual sermons and just the key verse would happen to be about... Uh, you could, yeah. Life. Yeah, I have preached from all three of those uh, textual sermons, but not not preaching about Nathan. He was simply referred to, but it wasn't about Nathan. So yeah, I mean, and and again, this is not a right and a wrong. And again, when I when I I said what are some Bible examples, and we came up with four examples of guys who kept on going, which one will you pick? That's personal preference, or it might be based on I preached on that, you know, uh, I preached on Hanan uh, a few months ago, so I'm going to ignore the Hanan. I'm going to focus instead on you know Uriah or blah blah blah, you know, different different. So there's no right and wrong. Uh, with this kind of sermon, which way would you go with it? Would this be a men's discipleship? Would this be a Sunday morning? Uh, you know, would that be based? You know, <coughs> you know, obviously it could be a men's discipleship. Sure, if you wanted to. Right. So it, 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 I wasn't looking at it saying that would make a, a men's discipleship. But yeah, yeah, of course. So maybe, maybe the illustrations, the applications, and what the points you're making may be a little different if you're doing it for men. And 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 sometimes I preach a sermon to the church and then think that would be good as a um, as a men's discipleship. So I'll preach the same sermon, but I'll uh, manify it. <laughs> <laughs> if that's not a word, it really should be, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, maybe. A change of subject. Uh, can these, <coughs> if you were to compare, say, Nathan with Balaam, is that the same kind of a small biographical sketch? If you were to do like you know a comparison of Nathan and and Balaam, David so, and Solomon. Uh, okay, so my qu- my question would be why? Why would you choose Nathan and Balaam? The what? comparison between one that should there. Both prophets, one chose right, one chose wrong, kind of thing. You could, of course. I mean, that doesn't. But my. So now you have. If if I just choose Nathan, I have already three different chapters. I have probably. Uh, I probably have a hundred and twenty verses already to look at just with him. What you have to understand is, 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 Mark, I have been teaching the guys for years. If you narrow your focus, the, the, old, the old illustration that I use is which, if I want to get inside Andy's heart or chest cavity, which has more chance? A wide hand? You know, if I was Bruce Lee, I might be able to do that. <laughs> or if you give me a knife or even a pen that is very narrow and pointed... I would be more likely to penetrate the heart with something that is narrow and pointed. Right. So one of the things I, I am teaching the guys is it's, it's, it, you need to narrow your focus. That is the key. So if you, it wouldn't be wrong, and I'm sure guys have done it, Nathan versus Balaam, Nathan versus... You could do uh, uh, all those kinds of things. But then, of course, Balaam then, you, you go... I mean, they can lead you down a bunch of tracks. I would say it would be very difficult to focus and not get people lost if you're doing that. So, it wouldn't be wrong, but I would say that's where guys get in trouble. The whole point of me in understanding preaching was simply questioning at the end of a conference or or anything, why is it that this guy's sermons, I still remember them, and that guy's, I don't. If you look, it's generally because they're preaching textually, it's generally because they have one idea that they're hammering different aspects of. The guys who 
are not memorable or don't make, seem to make as much impact if you examine their sermon. <coughs> they said a lot of true things. But it got lost. It was like bits of this, bits of that. At the end, It was all true. But what did he preach about? To me, that, that's the most depressing thing in the world would be somebody to say, what did Pastor Greg preach about? Uh, I don't know. But it was, I, I want them to go, he preached about, you know, whatever I was preaching about. Sorry, Robert, did you have a... Oh, I was just going to say that Balaam would be a good example <coughs> in one of the sections to say, you know, say a man who keeps yeah, going. Yeah, when, of you course. Know. You could refer to him, but as far as if you are, I'm going to build a sermon, Nathan versus Balaam, I would suggest you'll get lost, or your, your people will get lost anyway. That would that would be my feeling. When you're pioneering a church, is it when you're writing sermons, is it a good idea to ask yourself, I was a new convert, could I understand this? Is this something that yeah. I can relate to? Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is one of the things is you you simplify words. You definitely you you gotta think of your audience. Audience is important. That's when I when I preach in a in a country where it is translated or where English is not there. They can speak English, but it's not their first. There are words that I could use that I just get to the essence. I simplify. So de- definitely, yeah. Young versus old, you know, women versus men, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So you're, that's that's like what Keith said about discipleship or whatever. But I will say something. You you, you said you said uh, Sunday evening versus discipleship or that. I do not. Uh, and and this may be. There may be churches or situations that are that are, that apply. I do not prepare a sermon saying this is a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday sermon. I do not do that. To me, I will preach any sermon at any time, and I don't. I don't have a certain. This is only for. I don't. And 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 again, that may be just the experience that uh, that I have had didn't make that necessary. Part of that would be one. The other thing is that, um, like I know guys that is a, I'm going to only preach evangelistic uh, in a in a certain service, or that's what I'm kind of going for. I wouldn't preach on money in that. I think then you may be robbing the people. There may be a certain element where you you need to preach all kinds of subjects at different points. That would be my personal feeling. I've heard guys say, well, I preach Sunday morning and, you know, I'm preaching more to my core Sunday night. So, but you, would, you wouldn't think that. I wouldn't think that. That's a good idea. I don't, I don't think so. That would not appeal to me. And one of the things is that if you think about it is that it may not be in your best interest that at some point the people will catch on. What, what, is, what is he going to be preaching about tonight? Probably something that, you know. So I don't know that that's in your best interest. You've got to keep them guessing. <laughs> so, I, but that's a personal preference. I don't, and again, that's not right and wrong. I'm, you know, yeah, that's not, you wouldn't be. Heard yeah. Even more than once. So. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't say that you'd be violating kingdom principle and, and that's the mark of the beast. But I personally have never approached it like that. Pastor Mitchell, I know, does not approach things like that. So uh, I, I would I would lean against it. What were you going to say? Uh, he was asking about uh, pioneer preaching and, and make sure it's understandable. And I was thinking about, I, I know in sermons often guys will reference another part of the Bible, like you talking about examples of pride, uh, and they'll reference, oh, it's, it's just like this Bible character, he did this. And I was wondering, in, in a pioneer setting, do you, you cut back on referencing stories that they might not know, or do you just stick to ones that are easy to explain in a couple of Well, if you're referen- referencing another uh, story in the Bible, you have to explain it. No matter what. Yeah, you can't. it can't be in-house. Like, uh, you know, I would not be preaching. It's, it's kind of like Melchizedek. And then just kind of move along, you know. So it has to be, you know, whatever you do. Good communication is you. If I'm referring to somebody, I give, and and you learn how to do that. the The, the key to effective communication is you you cut things down to their essence. And I teach you in that in a lot of different things. Illustrations. 
If I get a story from a, a news article, it has a whole bunch of stuff that is totally irrelevant. It probably doesn't matter what day of the week it was, what street he lives on, what the weather was like. There's a whole that they put into news stories. Get it out. What, what's the essence? The guy had a pet tiger that ate him. So, pet tigers are not a good idea. That's you're getting to the essence. You strip away. You 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 effectively, and that that comes back to what I was saying to Mark is, you want to pointedly do that. So if if I'm if I'm referring to to a a, a, a passing reference, I probably would anyway. But especially if they're newer people, I would say there was another story in the Bible about a guy who thought it was a good idea to have a prostitute as a good friend. You know. So is there, is yeah. there a skill to practice in, in knowing how to say something that has a, a larger point, but in a few words in a in a nutshell? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, part of it is experience. <coughs> what you can't predict is how you will react in certain situations, right? Okay, so let's let's take fear for a moment. When guys are nervous, so one guy, when he's nervous, freezes. Right, so I, I remember clearly a guy who uh, was was doing an altar call in Australia, and and it was the the one before conference, and so he looked out and saw, you know, lead, various leaders of the fellowship who were there to preach the conference, and the guy was telling his own story. He had when before he was saved, he uh, he was breaking into a, a, a pharmacy. And the police came, and he was he was hiding in a closet, but his hair was or not a closet, a, a cabinet, but his hair was sticking out. Great story, but he's looking out and nerves. He froze. He's telling the story. <laughs> so there I was. <laughs> okay, another guy in fear. He doesn't freeze at all. What does he do? He talks a hundred miles an hour. He starts telling you. So, so that's what I can't predict how you will. That's something you learn over time. But definitely, you go, and that's that's why then sometimes I say you, recording yourself is painful, but sometimes necessary. <laughs> you know. So you, you the, the, preaching if it's your life, you got to give yourself to it. You got to work at it. And part of that is you've got to be honest about what doesn't work. First time I preached on faith, I, I threw every scripture in the Bible, every thought I could ever find in any book on faith, and I preached for an hour and five minutes. And I had visitors there who never came back again. That didn't work so well. So I said, I shouldn't do that. Would you recommend that as we're going through and we're putting together either a Bible study or even a sermon to go back through? Obviously, we want to proofread it and kind of go over it, but maybe time how long it's taken us to go through it or actually even read it out loud. And if so, yeah. trim the fat. You know, <coughs> you, can, you can go down all kinds of different paths, sure. take out extra or. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, one of the things you can do is, uh, you know, when. When I felt called to preach and said, this is what I want to do, I practiced preaching. Part of my job is I drove all around a big city. So I preached. I pulled altar calls. My truck got saved a million times, I'm telling you. So, but I preached. So one of the things, if you do that, I would do that initially with uh, altar calls. Is, uh, and I was like, how long is this going to take? I knew there was a 10-minute limit. So, all right, I got my watch. I'm, I got 30 minutes before I get to the job. Oh, there, and you're here today, and you might be. Lift your hand. Uh, that took me, right? So I'm practicing. You got to work at this. You've heard me tell stories about all the time growing up, until uh, until we moved to Australia. Uh, my whole life, Sunday morning, I would hear my dad practicing his sermon, and he said part of that was because of nerves. He, he didn't. He lacked confidence, but. He was working on. That's that's what you want to do. You want to do it well. If you're going to do this, let's do it good. No point in just being a preacher. Let's be a good preacher. You know, let's be one that people want to listen to. But I like clarity. You know, in 
in in compliments that mean something to me. When people say that was a good sermon, you know, that's great. But when people say you are very clear, yes. And anointed, that's which is a little more intangible, but you know, made impact on me in in, in some way. Because I want to be effective at this. So, uh, hey, he was here, and what did he say? I don't know, it's from the Bible. <laughs> that, would, that would really suck, yeah. Did you say that, you're talking about pinpointing, in a tiny setting, do you think that doing a series would be a good way to really hammer something down, or would you kind of just focus on what those were doing? Yeah, but, yes, it, it, series, series can be good anywhere, but what would you choose? I would not choose Melchizedek as a series in a, in a pioneer setting. The church... I recommend to every pastor. Pastor Mitchell did a series initially uh, as a Sunday school. I have done them for in, in every church I've ever pastored. His series on the church in a Bible study setting, Sunday school, somewhere, sermons, because they're foundational, foundational stuff. Very worthwhile. And then they're, you know, so anything, but stuff they need to know that would be helpful for them and would... Make them be interested. How to have a new life. You know, whatever. I don't know. I'm, but yeah. Very that, good. That was the uh, Sunday school that Pastor Mitchell did on the church? Yeah. Yeah, that was a, and we're talking, this is like 72, <laughs> 73. But it's a, you know, it is a, still available. Pirate Drought has it. And document audio, you know. <laughs> Captain Bluebeard Drought. <laughs> uh, all right, guys.